1: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
0: Now on the 1500 ESPN Stream Player $25 gift card, thanks to Luther Brookdale, Bro- Brookdale Toyota Shop Where Mackey Shops. Head to 1500ESPN.com and click on the Stream Player to find out how to win. Mackie and
1: Judd, uh, Mackie out today. Uh, scheduled back tomorrow. Travel, travel problems. Uh, provided they get solved. Matthew Colleran for Phil uh, today. I want to thank Courtney Cronin again. ESPN.com's Viking reporter for joining us the last hour for uh, some great speculation. I know some of you are tired of it, but folks, free agency is coming up next week, and a thirteen and three team has a quarterback situation that is completely up in the air. So it's interesting. um, before we get back to the sports topics, i got a question for you, Collar. How surprised were you last night when you started to see uh, reports that uh, that we in this fine metro area in the state were canceling school on the speculation of snow? Because I drove to work this morning, and I'm going to tell you right now, Jonathan and Matthew, it wasn't too
2: bad. Yeah, there was nothing this morning for me. So what do we got right now, though, Jonathan? Well, What are we looking run at back, right now? Run you...
1: back to the curtains, and well, let's see,
2: Jonathan. Well, he's also got—doesn't he have a— camera in there well, we yeah, got a little that, camera but that's, in from, but that's
1: from that's not here that's somewhere else oh it's
2: nothing right now nothing no no, no it's cloudy okay well here's the thing though you need to Tell be able how. to get these children home from school i understand that and what i have learned about our twin cities yep. is that when things get a little bit shaky with the weather it can bring us all to a dead stop i mean i remember a few <sighs> months ago we can't drive that's calling true. you guys i don't think it's the drivers i think it's the amount of people and maybe the handling of some of these things. But uh, a couple months ago, I was stuck in traffic for over two hours trying to go from Richfield to here, which is like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it can get pretty bad. And I think when they're talking about, I was listening to the weather on the way in. If mm-hmm. you're talking, I know that you're going kids these days or whatever, but, uh, I'm not down I, on kids. I think or, or just like the adults you know, that canceled you, school. I think it was a good idea. If the plan is to get hit with 10 inches of snow to not have people getting stuck, trying to pick up their kids and everything else. I think with the traffic situation we have, you got to be a little more uh, strategic. Aren't we,
1: aren't it. we in this state of all people? Don't we know how to, I, I, Hey, listen, if it had snowed a ton last night, I sort of get it, but she still's not snowing that hard. And so, what we're worried about kids getting home, because I I know that bus full of kids in St. Paul got stuck or it didn't get, or kids were being dropped off at nine o'clock at night. I understand the concerns. I'm just a little bit disappointed that we couldn't get kids to school today.
2: Did you just want today off? Did you? Are you jealous of the kids? No, 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 no. I'm questioning the toughness of everybody here. Yes, I'm, uh,
1: yeah, this was very wild like. This was very wild (laughs) in, in Arizona like. Well, I
2: guess we can't. Now let's just cancel it. Oh. Well, I, I I'm all for strategic planning, and I think that even if you get it wrong, it's still the right move because you play the odds, and the odds are that we're going to get hit pretty hard. And by three o'clock today, it's going to be a mess out there. And if if it doesn't well, happen, we have then it doesn't the kids
1: happen. Kids out out of school, more like more like two o'clock. Then I mean, gotten part of a day. I imagine if if it's a parent, it's got to be a real pain in the behind, right, to get that phone call on a Sunday night that your kid's school is canceled because now you got to make plans for them to be taken care of because you
2: thought they were going to school. I got to imagine if you're a parent you're not totally uh with this decision. Probably not because it's it's a pain in the butt. So if it doesn't work out you're going to be mad. Uh, I got to say it growing up in a cold weather snowy area and then living in one now, but growing up in one, it's one it would be one of the best arguments for people if they asked you like how did you grow up there? That must have been terrible. Snow days were pretty great though.
1: Oh, I enjoyed snow days too. I just, or I don't recall ever at back in the day at St. Therese and then Penelope St. Margaret's, I don't recall any snow days where there was no snow by (laughs) 12 05 in the afternoon. I mean, we had snow days as well, but that was real snow. So they canceled, they looked at it and they said, okay, we can't get the buses out, too bad. I'm driving to work today, it was just fine. Still just fine right now. I'm just questioning it. We talked about this in the first hour of the show, but in case you missed it, uh, Twins Daily had this probably a couple weeks ago, and then Jim Suhan, Star Tribune columnist, wrote about it today. I'll read the uh, encapsulation from ESPN.com, Matthew Collar. Brian Dozier reiterated that he expects to become a free agent after not having any talk with the Twins on a contract extension this offseason. Quote, I will be a free agent this fall, Dozier told the Star Tribune. That's the bottom line. You can only say you want to be here so much, and nothing gets done. That's just the way it is. I understand everything. At the same time, you're six months away from free agency. That's intriguing. Dozier, 30 years old, will make $9 million this season in the final year of a four-year contract. Told the Star Tribune that there have, quote, not been any talks with the Twins about exploring an extension. I think our discussion went twofold. One, is this bad timing on Dozier's part? And two, should the Twins be addressing this now or should they have in recent months? And my point was this. I don't blame the Twins here. I don't think this is necessarily the Twins being cheap, Collar. I think that this is a conversation about the Twins saying with how soft the market was uh, for free agents this past winter, Hey, Brian, if you you want to hit the market after 2018, be my guest, but there's a very good chance that you're going to come back to us. I actually don't fault the Twins here. Dozier's timing surprised me a little bit, but
2: I get his frustration, too. I think where you could end up regretting uh, what has gone on here with the situation, if you're the Twins front office, is just from last offseason, that You had offers on the table, it seems, to trade Brian Dozier, uh, most likely to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And maybe even if it wasn't the best offer that you thought you deserved, uh, you end up not trading him away. Then he has a great season and your team overachieves. Which, for this particular situation, it was a fun year last year, but for this situation is the worst-case scenario for you. Because not only did he have a good season, uh, but which you would have been fine with. But now there's expectations, though, and he's a big part of those expectations, that when we go into this year, now you expect 30 more home runs for Brian Dozier and a three fifty on on-base percentage or somewhere in that ballpark, and for him to be a valuable part of a winning team, and then going forward as well. Because now I think where we've set the expectation is, do the same thing as you did last year and maybe a little better. Mm-hmm. Compete. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that, mm-hmm. when you start to get your number 1 overall pick up here and you start to get your top pitching prospects up here and everything else, that's where you see it as, okay, now this franchise should be competing with the Astros and the Yankees. That's the best-case scenario. Yep. So if you don't sign Brian Dozier, you are losing a lot there for a guy who has consistently been in that field, 28, I think, three years ago, and then 42, and then 34. A really significant power hitter in your lineup. And so it feels like because of what happened last year, there should be some more urgency to sign him. But I wonder how Twins fans take it with Dozier saying what he said. I mean, is this a little bit of a distraction type of thing going into the season that could potentially linger if he keeps talking about it? Or does it just not sit well? Or is there so much... Uh, just bad PR that's been built up by the twins over the years, even though it's under a different regime, but over the years for just being called cheap, does that make Dozier's comments sit well with twins fans saying, yeah, pay the man.
1: I think certainly some of them. Yes. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be certain fans that say this is typical twins. The twins are always cheap and they remain cheap and they will never change. I think in this case, the twins aren't being dumb. And I also think that if Dozier's having a good year again, uh, as the deadline approaches, and you are doing okay, not great, that he is that you might not be able to get for him what you thought uh, two years ago, but you can certainly get something back. The thing about two years ago, and here's why I don't fault the Twins, the thing about two years ago is they took Do- Dozier to market. They went to the Dodgers and they said, we want the pitcher de Leon, and I think there was a, if I'm not mistaken here, there was a first base prospect that they really liked. And they said, we want both those pieces. And the Dodgers said, we'll give you the pitcher, and that's mm-hmm. it. So the Dodgers took DeLeon and uh, traded him to the Rays for uh, Forsyth. And so the Twins said, that's fine, but we're not we're not going to trade him unless we, we get exactly what we want. I don't blame them for that. But I also think that this very well m- might be a situation where if you really want Dozier back, guess what? You can get him back. I don't think he's going to hit the market after the World Series, uh, 2018 World Series, and be signed immediately i mean how many Mm -hmm. how many guys were this market dried up and and call it what you want it might be a form of collusion it might not be but this is not a situation like football where you say to yourself if we don't get brian dozier signed we're in trouble
2: are we sure it's going to stay that way though I mean no, because, we're not. It, because it's really fluctuated in major league baseball from we're not. collusion level to all of a sudden maybe uh, you know, spending three hundred million dollars on guys. I, I feel like But he's also gonna
1: be in a class that has like Bryce Harper and I mean he's not yeah, gonna be one of the yeah. first people that you flock to. But,
2: but then I mean who if Bryce Harper goes to the Yankees or the yeah. Dodgers or something, then the losers of Bryce Harper sweepstakes hmm. end up really or, or even Washington wanting to stay relevant, looking to spend out. So the top guy is going to bring up everybody else's price, potentially, wouldn't he? I mean, I I just think that it's one of those things where trying to guess the weather when it comes to free agent markets a year out is really, really difficult. So you've got to decide. I think you should decide soon. Like, Do you want to trade him away? And if you do, then do it. And if you don't, then sign him. And otherwise, just letting him walk or hoping you can do it after the season is pretty tough. I think right now considering how low the prices were for free agents it might be the time to approach him and say all right hey nobody's really getting paid but you can kind of get paid more by us than anyone else would give you which is so his let's, last contract where let's they got give a good that deal a try. yeah let's give that a try
1: uh 651-646-8255 if you want to join the conversation about brian dozier howard in chicago what's up my friend good morning good afternoon good afternoon now yes i think it $10 million a year to
0: $12 million is all Dozier's going to get.
1: And I'm wondering yep. how much is it the agents are trying to tell guys, no, no, it's just a fluke in the system for this year. But i got to tell you, as much as I like Dozier, mm-hmm. the thought of Gordon playing second base, even with a little less pop, but with more speed and obviously able to cover more area, intrigues the heck out of me. And the, the old management, I would agree with you, may have been called cheap. These guys aren't. Look what they did with Garcia. Yep. they pretty much flipped Garcia, and they, they paid what five million dollars. Did they wanted a better prospect? And they got one. That's, they got a good not, pitching prospect. That's right. That ain't cheap. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I don't. I I think to make the assumption that Dozier's comments today are reflective of uh of a Twins organization that's just being cheap is very mistaken. Mm-hmm. And and you know what I said before, I'll stand by, which is. I think that this is like a two- to three-year period of identifying what we think about this executive staff. Because we want to say, oh, that's typical Terry. Well, Terry's gone. Those mm-hmm. guys are all gone. So, so we want to draw conclusions off of what we knew, but a lot of what, what we knew is either gone or no longer has a big say.
2: It, it also gives you a little bit more time to figure out if Nick Gordon really is a key part of what you're doing or not. Yep, uh, be, because just you need as big of a sample size as you can for a minor league baseball player to have any clue whether they're going to succeed in the majors. And it seems like he's a guy that's got a, a quick bat and will hit for average, and he's he's fast and might steal some bases. And, and like he said, defensively might make up some of that difference. Though I think Dozier is is good there. Um, but forty two home runs or thirty four home runs. I mean, just even in a year where there was a lot of home runs that is a special player at that position. And usually, guys, the numbers on these say that 34-35 is when someone tends to start to slip for their offensive production. Uh So you are in an area right now where you could sign him to a a longer-term deal with a lot of money and then get the rest of his prime and have someone locked in at a very important position. I think second base is an important position. It's not shortstop or center field, Mm -hmm. but it's still an up-the-middle position that you can have locked in and a top-of-the-order bat that I would like to have him as a as a long-term guy in that spot. 651-646-8255, 651-646-8255,
1: 877-615-1500. If you want to join the conversation, is this typical Twins, or is, is this actually a smart to drag the Dozier contractual situation out? We'll come back.
2: 40 seconds gone on the booth penalty. They score! stolen in front! Wild
1: beat the uh, Red Wings last night, 4-1 to one at the X, uh, ending their two-game losing streak. Eric Stahl, 66 games, Matthew Collar, mm-hmm. 34 goals. Ties him for fifth in the league with Tyler Sagan of Dallas. Um, it has been a remarkable season. Uh, you, you're a guy that studies trends and certainly hockey statistics a lot and knows uh, the percentages of things. When it comes to Eric Stahl... What are we looking at here now? Because I was, when they signed him a couple years ago, I said, desperation move. He's coming off a season in which Carolina had traded him to the Rangers. And the Rangers got so frustrated with him quickly, in retrospect, a mistake probably, that they moved him from center to wing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chuck Fletcher, because of that, got a really good deal on a three-year contract. And I said, I don't think that this this is going to work. I think he's cooked. I was 1,000% wrong. But when we look at Eric Stahl now, what is your projection or feeling about where where he is going after this season with one year left on that contract
2: I think it's always difficult when a guy is in his 30s to project when he might hit a wall but I would also say that Bruce Boudreaux is a genius and the fact that this team is where they are which is in the race for the playoffs last year I thought they had numbers that looked to me like they should have been a a real Stanley Cup contender Mm -hmm. they did not Play up to their expectation in the playoffs, which is uh, typical. Uh, but that they were a much better team and a much more competitive team. And and this year they've slid back a little bit. They lost some talent in Scandella and Howla and some of the offseason moves. Um, but some of these younger kids that might be coming into roles here, Luke Cunningham is one of them. Um that that make them a little more solid of a team. And Eric Stahl has given them the center production that they were not getting before. When Miko Koivu is your number one center, you are not in good shape as a number one center. When he's your number three, you are you are. And when Eric Stahl is your number one, uh, that gives you a much better chance. But he's not your dominating two-way player. I think that just what Boudreau has done is figured out a way to maximize what he can still do offensively. He can't, uh, you know, carry the puck from end to end or anything like that. Sure, yeah. That's that's... why he's put him with Zucker and Granland, who can both fly, especially Granland with the puck is a wizard at getting into the zone. So if you have a lot of them do that work for you, and then what we've seen a lot is Eric Stahl just gets in the offensive zone and he's still got those great hands and that reach. And it's just been a perfect situation for him. It's funny that your reaction was he's probably cooked because my reaction when they signed Stahl was. That considering the money they paid for him, which isn't a whole lot, no, it was a good contract. That yeah. This is the ultimate sort of low risk, high reward, and they've ended up getting the high reward. Do you
1: agree with this? I believe that if you look at the job that Boudreau did in year one here last season, and now in year two, I'm actually more impressed with this job.
2: Um, yeah, Boudreau inherited.
1: Yep. Boudreau was a breath of fresh air last year. Boudreau, as you just said, got a team that included Holla and Scandella. And I'm not saying that those guys are all-stars, but they're certainly good players. When I look at what he has had to uh, face this season, and you look at the guys who've been out for periods of time, including Parisi, who scored uh, last night, I am more impressed with what he has done this year and actually think it's a stronger coaching job.
2: I think the injuries early in the season were really difficult for them. And Nino Niederreiter hasn't been right all year. He's got a broken leg, basically, right? He's he's, he's playing on a bad leg, and he's still one of their better possession players. But he hasn't been the same. Yeah, no, he's not the same as last year. They had the Parisi missing for half the year, which it changes the lineup dynamic. Even if you don't think that Parisi is a top player anymore, it's just you know if you've got him in and he's playing on the third line, that's a pretty darn good third line winger. Or if you have them in the top six, that moves somebody else down to the third line. It bumps them down. So this this is a team that in order to compete needs to have everything going their way. Like they can't just have a Jonathan Taves that's gonna make up for somebody's injury or a Sidney Crosby or something like that. It's you've got to have everybody healthy and going the right way. And for a lot of this season it wasn't. And even Dubnik had a really tough start to the year, too. And they got some good performances from Staloc to keep them alive. And I think especially when you look at playing as the transition style that they have and focusing a lot on Zucker and Granlin, uh, it's been a great, 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 great coaching job. That being said, with no moves at the deadline, it's hard to see them as a deep playoff team, especially when I think Winnipeg and Nashville are a cut above everyone else by a lot. Yeah, and Boudreaux's
1: um, lack of success in playoffs has been talked about a lot rightfully so i just think his, his regular season work has been really really good and what impresses me too is and you can see him doing it and it's got to be exhausting but yo tried to do the same thing and it ultimately uh didn't work eventually is pulling the puppet strings like there have been boudreaux's approach to this team in press conferences he's gone in a lot of different directions he has tried very hard you know when when you can see when, when they lose um collar to the Coyotes or at, or get blown out by six by the Avs, that he is PO'd and disgusted. But he has worked really, really hard not to go down that path too much, because he knows he knows with this group that they're, they're likely to check out. So if he goes scorched earth, this group might just check out. He has worked really hard to try and go with, uh, we're, we're not getting the credit we, we deserve, and some of it gets old to us, I think, but it, I think it's him in an attempt just to push the right buttons because this team, and this is not a compliment, this team for a long time has been all about what buttons can you push that actually
2: work. I See, I think that uh, every coach tries with this team or with a, who, whatever team they have, the same sort of few things to go to. Uh, and I don't see Boudreaux as being brilliant when it comes to that or really i mean there aren't many nhl coaches that i think are i think there are some nba coaches who are very good at keeping their their teams on point steve kerr is a great one never a too high too low he's an intellectual coach that sort of thing with hockey when your team plays real bad you call them out in the media you trash them you destroy them he's like, trying not to do that though yeah, now yeah he has but there have been a few times well, sure embarrassing that lot. sort of thing yeah 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 and so he's tried a bunch of different buttons, though. There's also the get defensive, there's the blame the media. Yep. He's kind of pushing every button. and But he's looking and, and for what works. But I think where he's done his great job, because I don't make a lot of that. I make a lot of schematically where Mike Yo had Mikael Granlund at center, which Mm -hmm. he was not a center. Mm -hmm. And you had a team that was taking a lot of shots, a lot of low-percentage shots, trying to play the puck possession game, which you can do if you've got size, if you've got possession players. And I don't think that this team really does. I think this team has speed and skill. Outside of someone like Koivu, who slowed down a bit and Parisi, you've got a lot of speed and skill on your top lines. So Boudreaux has just had them flying up and down the ice. And that means giving up a lot of chances at the other end, but it's also meant some impressive scoring outputs on a nightly basis. And he's maximized. You've seen everybody's goal scoring and production go up. Yeah. And, under and he's Bruce tried a Houser. thousand,
1: a thousand line uh, combinations too. I mean, he's tried everything, but I'm just, I am just, it would have been very easy for him at times to melt down and you could see he wants to. And he says to himself, if I do it, it's not going to work. I don't think this group responds to that. Yeah. And, and I don't think there's anybody, I don't think there's a captain presence in that locker room that has the ability to to do the same thing to his teammates. And that's where being a coach of this team, to me, would be maddening. Yeah, Like, and if you had the Taze character guy, you'd be like, Jonathan, take care of this.
2: And losing the game to Arizona was especially such a kick, right? Because you were coming yes. off of great wins, yep. two great wins in a row. You dominated you, early. You're you right. embarrassed your former coach what was it, seven one eight or 8-3 it was, yep. uh, against St. Louis, and you just couldn't be more on a high. You win in a, in a overtime game, great feelings, and then you lose like that to the worst team in hockey. It's very typical of what this team does, and that probably does speak to the makeup of the locker room, that they don't really have that. But, you know, there's another thing it, it speaks to a little bit, too, um, which is just that this team doesn't have someone who's like, not just the personality off the ice, but even on the ice, who consistently dominates. That when you go through the great teams, that they always have one player or two players who consistently dominate on a nightly basis. Look at the Kings are a, a pretty weak team. They're still in the conversation because Dowdy and Kopitar are that yeah, good. That They're is. just, even as good as Eric Stahl is, as talented as he is. Yeah, no, he's not going to be that guy. These other players are a cut above. P.K. Yes. Subban is a cut above. Philip Forsberg is a cut above. And, and I don't see that player on the Wild. So they need everybody the playing guys the whole time. Jets have guys like t- that, too. Oh, the Jets, and they'll beat you up as well. They have like four guys now. They've stacked those up. So that's where, it's, yeah. that's where you could see this team, again, being competitive, but not maybe getting over that next step. uh, Jonathan, what's coming up in questions next?
0: Oh, we got big-time basketball. We're going to talk about a Nick Foles rumor you guys talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. and we're going to get weird with the Oscars. That's next.
2: Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in
1: past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions? What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of
2: significant importance.
1: All right, Jonathan, and for Dave Harrigan, you got three questions for uh, Matthew Collar and yours, Jewelry. So throw them at us.
0: Let's start this. All right. So the Big Ten tournament is over now, thankfully. It's uh, unfortunately, it was a week earlier than basically the rest of the big name college basketball conferences because, you know, the Big Ten has yeah, to no, break into the stupid, New York don't market. Even, don't even
1: get me started. It's
0: dumb. So was this as, was this as big of a bust <sighs> as we think it, or was it just sort of a disaster?
1: Matthew Collar, you want to.
2: Uh, Answer that first. I'm
0: just. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean,
2: I was at the combine football, and I also watched the women's Big Ten tournament, and I thought yeah, In Indianapolis, that, right? In Indianapolis. Where, where, I wish I, wish I could have gone. Where the Big Ten but, tournament should be. Yeah, yeah, and I, I thought that the yeah. Gophers in the women's tournament had a really good showing. They kind of fell apart a little bit against Ohio State at the end. That's but a good
1: Ohio State it's, team. It
2: is a good Ohio State team, and they really had a chance to win, and they've gone from a team that you wouldn't pay attention to really at all at the beginning of this year, to now a team that I think is in the tournament and could potentially make noise because they can really gun it from downtown. So that's my take on the women's tournament, which I watched pretty closely, but as far as the men's Big Ten tournament, did was Minnesota in it? Yeah, they Do got it. bounced First by theme.
1: Rutgers on opening night. Oh, okay. <laughs> by well, host Rutgers. Well, that's.
2: Yeah. I'm really surprised that uh, a men's sports team go for the Gophers would underachieve or uh, not play particularly well.
1: What did we announce the attendance at for the um, for the championship game, the Purdue Michigan championship game? Jonathan, I'm looking at the. I'm calling up the box score right now. I'm seeing if they. Announced a sellout for that game. I don't remember what that was. I don't see... Actually, you know what? I'm looking at this. I don't see an attendance figure on here. Anyway... uh, Maybe there's a reason for that. For the most part, absolute disaster. Jim Delaney, another awful idea by a guy (laughs) who's full of them. You talk talk about another guy who doesn't give a damn about sports, and all he cares about is the immediate cash grab. He and Bettman, they are the same guy. And to move that thing to the Garden... And that's bad enough, but but to accept the fact that the Big East has dibs on the guard, and I think through like 2025, so you have to play. So your conference tournament championship game is being played at the same time as the small conference championship. And it's not like
0: there's only one stadium there.
1: arena in New York to play at off. It's, but it doesn't yeah. need to be in New yeah. York it's Agreed. Rutgers nobody gives a damn about <laughs> Rutgers <laughs> does
0: anyone care about conference
2: tournaments anymore anyway I mean the Big East used mm. to be a great one it used to be classic it's every still, year it's still in New York is awesome I've been there the okay. last two years for it now the Big East is no longer
1: what it once was uh, but the Big East tournament is really cool still
2: right because that that was
1: tradition because you know why that was tradition because it's played in the garden every year because and it, and it had... it's, it's called the Big East
2: yeah Right, and it it had great classic moments and classic rivalries and things like that. The rest of these conference tournaments, though, when I turn on the TV, it doesn't always look like there are many people actually there.
1: Well, all on my point is this. The Big Ten, as far as I'm concerned, they should have three rotating sites. Indianapolis, United Center in Chicago, and I would actually come here now. Target Center redone is just fine. And create excitement about that. In New York, the Big East tournament is really cool because there's an excitement, there's a buzz. Mm-hmm. Moving this thing to Washington last year to DC so Maryland could host it, and now to uh, the Garden so Rutgers, who no one cares about, right?
0: It's just, you're trying to get New Yorkers. It's
1: a stupid. It's a stupid yeah. idea, and they're and they're going to say, no, we're a global. You know, we're a league that. No, you're not. Just have the conference tournament at three sites in the Midwest and shut up and be done with it. You're trying
0: to get New Yorkers excited about Nebraska basketball. No offense to Nebraska basketball. Or Minnesota basketball. It's a
1: stupid idea. Right. Anyway, all right, we talked enough about that. Men's
2: college basketball. Real quick, where where does it stand on your list if you're ranking sports that if they were all on TV at once that you would watch? Regular season or or tournament. Uh, let's just Big say, well, tournament is mm-hmm. unfair because, I mean, everything, Super Bowl is probably bigger than tournament, you know, playoffs uh, playoffs aside, just a game of every everything that we have here, everything we watch, men's college basketball might be at the very bottom of my list. When I watch games, I have a real tough time staying engaged because of how poor the basketball is. Actually, has become.
1: I am guilty here of um, if the Gophers are good, I'm much more intrigued. Mm-hmm. When I thought the Gophers Same. were going to be good, I was into it. When Lynch got suspended and then Coffee got hurt, I completely checked out. So in that case, I I am guilty of being biased towards the home team. If the home team's good, I care. If they're not, I don't. So as the season came to an end for the Gophers, very low. <laughs> Very, very. I don't think I watched an entire men's basketball game, including the golfers, after the Illinois game, which is when I think Lynch was mm-hmm. suspended because it just became hopeless.
0: When they were good, I went out of my way to find whatever the heck so stadium I. TV was. Oh, on the Facebook. Them. Yeah. Yes. I went out of my way to find it because I knew they were good and I wanted to see it. Yep. Not just because Alabama was playing with three players. Anytime I watch it, I mean, maybe I feel like a curmudgeon here a little bit,
2: but like... You're getting old. In my day... You're you're negative. Players used to stay for like four years, so by the time they'd get to their third, fourth year, there'd be some chemistry and some talent on the floor. And with the one and done, I feel like not only is the talent way worn uh, worn down, Uh watered down, but also everyone is trying to get drafted all the time. Just like so many, I'm going to take a wild drive to the hoop... Horrible three pointers, really pathetic ball movement. Like mm-hmm. I like the details of all of these sports, and when I watch that, I think it is pathetic as far as a product goes. Whereas you know that I like to end up, uh, that I watch women's basketball much more. Well, you have some teams that are all seniors that move the ball really well, take smart shots, play really good basketball. I'd much rather watch that. And still the tournament, then I'll just watch anything because right. it's the tournament, and right. it's like those college bowl games that oh, I like just that watch joke. for no yeah. reason, but. Man, has it gotten to be a really rough product. All
0: right, so you guys mentioned the Nick Foles rumors that he's potentially on the trading block or that teams are interested in trading for him. So let's speculate some. Let's look into the future. The Vikings decide they want Nick Foles for some reason to be their next quarterback because he's cheap and they can sign other people. So that leaves a hole at the quarterback position for the Eagles uh, if Wentz isn't back by the time the season starts. Now they have the Nick Sudfeld guy, That's what I was trying to think of Sudfeld. Let's let's be honest. They're not going to go an entire season or most of the season with someone named Nick Sudfeld as their quarterback coming off the Super Bowl. So there's a trifecta of Vikings quarterbacks out on the market this year. Sam's probably not going back to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Case Keenum's probably not going to go there because they're not going to pay him enough because he's earned the right to big contract. So that leaves Teddy Bridgewater, who came out this weekend or it came out this weekend that he's wanting a one to two year deal to kind of approve it deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater goes to Philadelphia. Uh, Now, let's speculate some more. Wow, okay. We know the NFL always starts their season with the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champion, the Eagles. And because they both, the Vikings and the Eagles, finished the top of their divisions, they now have to play each other next season. Vikings, Eagles in Philadelphia, Nick Foles, Vikings quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, Philadelphia (laughs) quarterback.
1: Incredibly juicy, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Um, I actually, just thinking about this off the top of my head, Collar, I actually think that there's a better chance that they would re-sign Bradford and uh, then transition back to Wentz. If Sam, see, see Sam, I wonder how much Sam is now going to accept the fact that as we all found out from Zim, he has a degenerative knee. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Teddy's going to go to a place, I think Teddy's going to sign in a place that he sees an excellent opportunity to eventually start, if not start immediately, so I to go down your path, Jonathan, I think you would be more likely that they would try and go back to Bradford for a short period of time and then go back to Wentz and say sign Sam to a one- or two-year contract.
0: I
2: also look at Bridgewater as earmarked for Arizona. It just makes so much sense for Arizona. They're a team that should be pretty competitive. Once Carson Palmer got hurt last year, that completely fell off. They've got a new coaching staff that you know they were running a down-the-field offense, throw down the field with Carson Palmer, but that's going to change. So they might go to a, a more West Coast thing that I think Teddy Bridgewater could be really good in, and he's got some weapons to work with there. Larry Fitzgerald was still great last year. David Johnson's one of the best running backs in the NFL all around. Uh, they need some offensive line work, but it makes sense for me for a team that still has a good defense in Arizona and wants to be competitive mm-hmm. to bring in Teddy Bridgewater Because even though it sounds like they're in the conversation for Cousins, they're not one of the top teams, that it's really Vikings, will the Jets go bananas, or could Denver sneak in at the end? Mm -hmm. To to your point about NFL drama, yeah, I mean, that would be unbelievable for Zimmer to be facing off with Teddy Bridgewater. I just have a really tough time seeing it. You might start crying. Because I think that there will be a team. That's like his son. I think there will be a team that has Bridgewater as their starter week one.
0: So we clearly found out that The Shape of Water makes Matthew Collar feel really awkward about himself. You're really bringing this back, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. A little nice uncomfortable, Nice work, Harrison. Man. Nice work. A little uncomfortable. uncomfortable. So You do a good job, in, yeah. In that vein, what's another movie, Matthew, and what's a movie for you, Judd, that's made you feel awkward? That awkward. you just can't either sit through it, don't want to watch it again? Don't want to mention that you watched it. Now there and are, then on top of it, why did it make you feel awkward? So
2: there are many movies that like I couldn't watch again because they are just too messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you a, an example. I watched Monster on a Plane, which is uh, Charlize Theron. She's fantastic, yeah. right? She won an Academy Award for it. Yep. And as I watched it, I was like, "Whoa, this movie <laughs> is. I mean, it's really good, but it's also." Holy bleep through the whole movie. This is insane and crazy and depressing at the same time. So that one, like, I'm glad that I watched it because it was so good, but also it's like nightmare worthy. So that one is the first that that I thought of. I don't know about ones that have things that are this uncomfortable with the lady and the fish. <laughs> I just am like, did you have to really? Did you? Did you need to do that? Did you have to have her in the fish? It won the, it won the award. Clearly, it worked.
1: Man. It, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was
2: it's,
1: it just a fish new, or a manfish? It, it, it's, it's a manfish. Man it's a manfish. Man 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 what does a manfish look like? This, I did not see this film. This is
2: the new model for winning Best Picture, right? Whatever happened is always the new model. So, the, the new model is to have someone engage with a fish, a manfish. There are people who are saying so there's a lot of different takes on that so movie. There's this movie. some people who are saying that did, it's going to be the most forgettable Oscar winner, and I kind of agree with that. So did you did you survive the entire film for what for this one? Oh, I didn't see it. I I heard that. There oh, was a, I thought you. Oh, I heard I there she, was a lady and a fish, and I was like, no way. That's a manfish. That's a manfish. That manfish is chiseled though. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean he's an. Attract- that looks like
1: a. That looks like a good uh, safety or cornerback yeah, type of I guy. Mean, he's an attractive
2: man. Fish, <laughs> but still, really? it's just I mean, too <laughs> weird. I th- I
1: thought you were talking about like a fish fish, like a guppy or something. I think it was quite clear that <laughs> you're talking fish. about a, a floppy. Well, easy. I'll stop right there. Careful. Um, I would say <laughs> I would say that I'll go back to the film that I've always considered to be overrated, at the baseball film that everyone else loves and not me is Field of Dreams. Okay. Field of Dreams just bored me. And I always thought, and and now I usually like Costner in baseball films. And, um, done a few of them. Bull Durham, he's unbelievable. And I think I'm biased against Field of Dreams and got bored with it because, um, Bull Durham was so good and that Mm. character that he played was so good. So then when I see him come back as sort of, uh, you know, hey, dad, can we have a catch? I just like, no, no, you're Crash Davis, dude. That film just—it wasn't that I was uncomfortable, but everyone else is like, "Oh, I might cry," and I cry. I cry at films all the time. I like start tearing up at films a lot. But I was just like, "This is just so predictable," and this is Crash Davis, and now I'm supposed to believe that he's this. uh,
2: You know, I live on the farm in Iowa, and let's have a catch. Maybe it's because I saw them in reverse order, like. Both of them came out when I was either young or non-existent.
1: See, I saw Bull Durham, and I think they came. I think Bull Durham came out first, right? But I definitely yeah, saw Bull yeah. Durham first, so I
2: saw Feel the Dreams first, and then saw Bull Durham later. So maybe I don't really have that perspective. Okay. I like. I mean, I like. I might I, be different if I, I didn't have that. Yeah, no, I like. I like Feel the Dreams. The one that I didn't like was the one where he's playing for the Tigers. Oh, there was the, Phil. Like Phil, really likes that one. Why?
1: Uh, that's with talk um,
2: about one that's dull. Yeah, the
1: mechanism, right? Clear the mechanism. Yeah. Just that, that one, like, what's the point of all this? Uh, the point was this. We're going to put Costner in every baseball film possible. <laughs> yeah, right. That yeah. was the point. That's that's somebody exactly how wrote it felt. that role
2: saying, how can we make Crash Davis a big league pitcher? That is exactly that's what, that's what he was. how it felt. was just like, we really want to do another baseball movie, and Kevin Costner baseball movies sell tickets mm, because he's in bingo. two good ones, so we're going to throw him back out there. There are... There are very few sports movies that I care even a little bit about, even a, I mean, even the slightest bit. That I mean, I see people who talk about what's the one where it's uh, in the South and there's the black players and the white players. They don't get along first, then they do. What's that? Remember the Titans? Yeah, I think? couldn't care less about it. Just could not care less. I've seen it maybe twice. Yeah. Okay. People, all right. love, people love that hey, film. People lo- love that film. Right. Yeah, I know. And I'm just like, oh. Slapshot, man. Yeah, sure. Slapshot is where it's at. Sure. Foot- it all starts football, and ends um, with Slapshot. Football solved racism. Sure. All right. I Okay. I mean, uh, I do like Major League, but that's different because it's hilarious. Yeah. So it's a, more of a comedy. But when people, when they go for drama, uh, I, saw, I remember seeing Rudy and being like, wait, so he plays one play? Like, who cares? He's yeah, not even that, a big part of the team. That bored me as well. All right, let's go
1: back and wrap things up. Mackie and Judd, collar in for Phil. The
0: 1500 ESPN Bracket Challenge is coming soon, and you'll have the chance to win a brand-new 55-inch TCL Roku TV or Napoleon Lex Propane Grill from Patio Town. Keep your eye on 1500ESPN.com for details on how to sign up. And this portion of Mackie and Judd, Presented by Fratelloni's, proud sponsor of the beer show.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Great job today. In uh, place of Dave Harrigan, Matthew Collar in for Phil today. Phil should be back tomorrow. Although I think he's trying to sort out some travel issues as he uh, tries to get back into town from his stay in Arizona. Um. So,
2: Matthew Collar, and as just we, getting called out on Twitter about being so bad with the sports movies. Why? What? Like what? Oh, I'm sorry. It's just that you know some people really love sports movies. And they like have their classics sure. that mean a lot to them. And they have quotes that they tattoo on themselves. But I just have not... Remember, the Titans is a big deal to a lot of people, yeah, I think. Yeah, it really like, is. I think calling
1: that out is going to get you a lot of
2: You're right. negative it, feedback. It really is. But I've seen it a couple times. And I like Denzel a lot. But I just never I, really took a lot of... from it. And I thought some of it was just downright preposterous. Like with the there's a scene where the cop drives by and the black kids think that they're going to get arrested or something. He's like, Hey, good luck on Sunday. Like, Oh yeah, that's exactly how it is. Uh, you know? So that, I mean, there's it's just a solid film. I yeah. think I've seen it once. I, lo- I mean, I, i it's not, I don't love it like some people do, but I think it's pretty solid. I feel like it's sort of for like high school kids. Like, okay. So if you, if you buy into this magic land, Thanks, judge, for judgmental. You. you know, but that's just, how, that's how I end up feeling. I end up, maybe it's just because like when you cover sports, it creates so much real drama. So, what's your favorite sports the fake drama movie of all time? Hit what's your with. favorite? I don't even know if I have one. I mean, like, like
1: Slapshot is mine easily. Although it, the ending is not great in my opinion, I love I love the portrayal of hockey in that day in the minor leagues.
2: And I like some of the stuff from Bull Durham, and I'll quote that too. Some of the scenes, the oh, yeah, the, the, the movie on the whole, I could take or leave. I really? Mean, just, yeah, I mean, some of the wow. some of the great baseball stuff, yeah. But I mean, the whole as a whole thing, candlesticks, like, candlesticks, it's just. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I mean, I think *Bulldogs* fantastic. Because if it's if you're going for non-comedy or non-like documentary, all my favorite sports things are real things that happen. They're all just documentaries. Okay. Yeah.
1: Like so. That's fine, but can't you don't you sit down once in a while and suspend
2: belief to at least a little bit? I don't think that I back when DVDs were a thing. I don't think I owned a single sports movie. Or like, I mean, wow. if, if I see one on TV, if I see Bull Durham on TV, do you TV, like Snapchat for instance? cruising by? Do you like? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, again, it's like Bull Durham to me, or like Major League, where it's got quotable things that I will use occasionally. But other than that, take it or leave it. And I cover the. Uh, American hockey I know you did, for a yeah. while, so I mean, and I thought that that, that
1: would some, actually
2: make you like it more because you've seen yeah, sort of yeah. some of the background yes. of how that happens. It's got it's got some classic things to it, so I, maybe that one I like more. But wow. man, I just have you really always really had a judgmental. tough time with it.
1: You are judgmental. All right, we're done. Uh, Dodgeball was good. Dodgeball was great. Mackie should be back tomorrow. Uh, Zolgad and uh, Collar Garage Logic is up next on fifteen hundred ESPN.